I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Do you know why? Because Dollamore, he, he, he is a servant. He is a servant of Satan. And you know how I know this? Because he, his hair, he has red hair and, and he's very charming. And anyone who is listening to this right now should really stop listening and unsubscribe because he will feed you to the, the devil. <clears throat> Hail Trump. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show, episode 418 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined by the birthday girl, almost the birthday girl, Brittany Page. Well, I'll be the birthday girl if you're listening to this, probably, because it's uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, it's it's after 9 p.m., on the west coast of yeah. the United States of America. It's the final countdown. <laughs> final countdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the birth D. Yeah. I can't wait to go to the DMV tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I'm you got to do that. Excited. Super excited. Brittany's going to California's... Uh, fucking weird, man. California's IDs yeah, it's one in a of few like, years one of eight states. Yeah, aren't going to be federally compliant to even fly on an airplane. Right, you can't fly. So you got to go get the the real ID is what it's called. That's what it's called. Yeah, you got to go get your ID. real ID on your birthday. Real driver's license you can also get because tomorrow your driver's license also coincidentally conveniently expires it does and a month ago i went on to make an appointment at the dmv which is that a thing in all states or is that just here i don't know it's a shit show here though but the the soonest they could get me in was my birthday yeah so it worked out perfectly (laughs) me waiting till the last minute to renew my license serendipity yeah so listen before we move on um i want to i'm sure Brittany would like to say something but Mm -hmm. we want to congratulate prior multi-time guest on the show yes dr nick yep he is now officially doctor yep uh he graduated from the university of california irvine right here locally and we just wanted to to take a moment to to congratulate him um he's a hell of a guy he's a hell of a guy Um, I definitely agree with that. And he's he's one of the most beautiful humans that I know. And I'm very lucky that um, he was my professor. Um, In when, undergrad. Yeah, you know, when I was uh, when I had just transferred to Cal State Fullerton from Golden West College, which is a community college here in Orange County. And uh, it was just awesome to meet him and connect with him. And he still saves my life when I am in crisis um, with data analysis. <laughs> I can message him and be like, what's wrong with my SPSS syntax? And he will figure it out and be like, this is what it is. Because he's a super smart cat. 
yeah, he's amazing. And um, so I'm super happy for him. He's He deserves it all. Um, he started at community college. Yeah. Uh, went to Cal State Fullerton like me. And now he has a doctorate. It's kind of a it's a cool time of year right now, seeing all the people we know graduating from college and seeing all their photos all over all over Facebook and stuff. It's kind of one of the benefits of Facebook. One of the one of the positive things about Facebook is being able to follow along with people's life's journey for sure with their celebrative. It's probably not a word. Uh, photos celebratory. Yeah, celebratory. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I prefer that to the um, racist memes, for sure. I don't know. Tough <laughs> choice for me. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I bet. But I actually, I did see um, one of one of Nick's photos, and he was at a restaurant in the area that I love. Should I say what the restaurant is? I don't know. No, I won't say No, nah, don't say it. Okay. And it doesn't matter, but I don't know that he wants his biz out there. Yeah, I also don't want people to like um try to find me there and kill me. So um <laughs> we just don't go in there case, that often. Just in case. Uh but he he took a photo of this drink and it was a it was a giant plastic clam with like a yellow drink in it and two straws coming out of it and a couple was drinking out of it which is totally fine because they were a couple yeah they do stuff and it's totally fine if that's the case um but i i went on yelp because i wanted to figure out what this drink was i wanted to know what was in the drink here we go and i saw a picture of like six straws in the drink oh that had to set you off i no (laughs) Meaning a team of people. Yeah. Now listen. More than a basketball team. Yes. We're all sharing the same alcoholic beverages using straws. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's a, that's a, that's a cornucopia of backwash. That's a fear factor challenge for me. <laughs> um, 100%. And <laughs> Hang on. I want to let that sit for a minute. <laughs> That's a fear factor challenge for Brittany Page. Yeah. Like a random five people and then they have a straw for me and they're like, are you going to do it? 20 grand's on the line or however much people got for fear factor. I'm not prepared. Oh, there it is. Um, But I mean, unless you're like, okay, you're all in an open relationship and you all do stuff. All right, that's fine. But for all the poly people out, people out there, yeah. But it, but if these are just like your friends or something, yeah, not good, man. You agree? You agree yeah, that's too far? Yeah, and you it's don't too even much. you don't even have weird impulses like me. Yeah, it's too much. Okay, how many straws? Uh, what's the tipping point? Because that's you? just that's just sharing dicks, is what that is. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, depending on... I don't know who the comic is that talks about it, but mo- <laughs> most people are, are, you know, most people on the planet do stuff with dicks. Okay. Um, the vast majority of people, even if it's your own dick. So what if the people hadn't done anything with dicks recently? Still, you don't know what's going on. Got it. Got you it. don't know. Too much of a risk. Too much going on. So how many straws is too many, though? Like, what would you what would you do? How many straws is OK? I wouldn't want to be sharing sharing a drink with a straw. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. I, this, maybe it's you that's turned me to the other side. About uh, the germ stuff. 
But seriously, come on. Like, like you, you talk about, and the same shit went on when I was in school, where you, you know, suck the gutter. You're sharing. Take a, your friends. A, well, we didn't say that. We weren't stupid. Well, but that's what we. Said. We. we <laughs> that's what. That's what other people said. We, we. We. You know, you pass the can back and forth. Oh, you suck the gutter. Uh, that's. You're just. You're. You're witnessing the leavens of germs and saying, "Oh, here, that'll clean it up. That'll be sanitary." Yeah. Suck the put your mouth back on the can, <laughs> suck real hard, and get the rest of the gross shit. Come on. Yeah, I always tell people because some people get offended by my Oh, I, it's very weird. I, it happens all the time I, with you. I don't drink after people and I don't um do the double dipping thing. And people get offended by it. Like I think that there's something uniquely wrong with them. We, we, they take they take it as a personal affront yes. to their being. Most like recently, I think they're disgusting. We were at a party and someone had crafted a drink and they were drinking it. And they're like, oh here. You might like this, taste this. And you politely said, nah. I said I'm a germaphobe. No, thank oh, you. Yeah, that's right. That's what I say. I'm and just direct. They were they clapped back with something like you think I'm dirty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they, they had a look on their face that they were kind of hurt. <laughs> That's weird, which, man. Which is just sad because it's just my own neurosis. It's nothing about other people, you know. But I, I grew up in a family where we didn't even drink after each other in my family. So <laughs> right. my mom used to drink after me. And she said she took me to the movies when I was really young. And we were sharing a Coke. And at some point, she noticed that she was chewing the Coke. Oh, God. And so that was the last time. <laughs> That she attempted to share a drink with me. So. There was like popcorn <laughs> down in there, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no bueno. I'm sure she was exaggerating. So anyway, congratulations, Nick. <laughs> Dr. Nick, that is awesome. We love you and we appreciate you. And uh, we, we, One expect, of the best. we expect to have him back on the show once again when, uh, when something comes up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on here. Um, last time on the show, we, we opened the show with me talking about my angsty, angry feelings about people who back into to, to, to parking spots mm-hmm. in parking lots. Yes. We had some people reach out and say, well, what about parallel parkers? I wasn't talking about parallel parking. Obviously, you back in oftentimes when you parallel park. I got an immense amount of support. No calls. In opposition. It, it was an amazing thing. Here's a few of the positive calls. Yes, this is Stephen from Texas. I don't get irritated by a lot of things, but people who back into parking spaces irritate the ever-loving F out of me, and I can't see why they do it. I'm with you 100% on this one, Jesse. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank well, you, Stephen. Well, there you go. So here, are Solidarity. you ready? Here, here's the next call. I, we don't have to respond to every single one, but here's the next call of support of my idea. <laughs> yeah. Not a goddamn one. Yeah. And I was lying like a lying liar who lies mm-hmm. because we got a lot of calls telling me I was the asshole. Yep. And giving me actually substantive reasons yeah. why people back in. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Uh, this is Nate from Albany, New York. Uh, I wanted to call in uh, because I am a backer inner or a so-called fat 
fucking guy. <laughs> and I wanted to explain that quite simply the reason to back in uh, is because that way when you pull out, you have control over what vehicles you see. You always want control or when you pull out. Not Brittany. a lot of accidents happen for those when people are backing out of a parking lot. Uh, because you're sticking your ass end out, and you don't know what really is coming because there's cars on either side of you, and all of a sudden, wham, some asshole who wasn't paying attention, probably inconvenienced by a previous backer in her, freaks out and runs into the rear end as you're trying to back out of your spot when you're trying to leave. So that's just my two cents. I do agree that if you're going to be a backer in her, you should maybe practice it a little bit and actually know what the fuck you're doing so you don't take 10 minutes. Uh, you should be able to do it in one shot if you're doing it often. Yes. Anyways, that's just my two cents. Uh, as, of course, uh, Brittany is uh, not even prepared to be the best part. Ooh. I'm not prepared! Hello, this is Eagle from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I am one of those assholes that backs into parking spaces, but just hear me out, there are exceptions to this. I don't do it in a crowded parking lot where there's traffic zipping around back and forth because that's, ain't nobody got time for that shit. I don't got time for that shit. And I'm too paranoid of somebody T-boning me while I'm trying to do it. So I, I, don't, I don't do that. Um, I basically only do it when there's no traffic or I'm by myself. And Brittany pretty much nailed on the head. It is so there's just a quick escape route. But um, I only do it if I know I can do it in a few seconds, if I have enough room. Um, but I have a rear view camera, so it makes it a lot easier because there's guidelines and shit for that. Um, but I also do it so that I know I'm in the middle of the lines because I'm really OCD about that. Um, and I guess I'm also paranoid with backing out in certain, I guess, parking lots because there are people who will just rip right by where I'm from not look at anybody, any backup lights or anything, and um, I'm just worried that someone's going to run down 25 miles an hour down the parking lot because there are crazy people who do that. So if I'm going forward, I can actually see if some crazy mofo is going to fucking speed race down the lot like he, there's only one spot left and he's going to beat whoever's going to try beating him there to it. Anyway, just thought I'd let you know that did we I, we do yeah okay bye backing in the parking spots Jesse I very much enjoy you but I'm actually required by my employer to back in wherever I go I would ask you to consider your field of view when parking when you're pulling into a parking space you know exactly where everybody is you're in the lane so you can park in without too much concern of what's behind you when you're pulling out if you're if you're backing out, your field of view is pointing the wrong direction, and you have more potential backing into somebody that is in the parking lane, pulling through the parking lot. If you're backed into the parking spot when you're pulling out, you can see everything. And um, I didn't take the time because I'm a little bit lazy this morning to look up OSHA stats and everything like that. But uh, I would venture a guess that many preventable vehicle accidents are backing up because people can't see very good. And never mind that sometimes people take their their work safety culture out into the real world. I wear safety glasses and earplugs to mow my lawn, that kind of thing. Uh, I love you guys. Jesse just keeps slipping lower and lower down the scale, and, and one of these days, I think Brittany's going to overtake him for my favorite. 
Thank you guys. Bye. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. So regarding people who back into the parking spots, I'm one of those people and I have my reasons why. So my reason is A, I live in New York City. So these parking spots are pretty tight, pretty hectic. And as I'm leaving, it's always safer to head out facing forward because traffic tends to zoom by you if you're trying to pull out of this spot in reverse. That's all I gotta say. This is my fourth episode listening. And I gotta say, Brittany's the best part. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. First time caller, Steven. I uh, wasn't expecting this to be the subject for me to call in, but uh, <laughs> pretty much I wanted to defend why I'm not an asshole for backing in. Oh. Uh, pretty much it all comes down to me feeling more comfortable and uh, confident exiting out of a spot, having a better view of what's in front of me. Uh, and uh, especially if it's going to be in a crowded area, uh, it's just it eases my mind and I feel uh, more comfortable exiting out of a spot that way. Um, and I've been doing it for as long as I drive, so I'm a pro at backing in at this point. So uh, aside from having you making people wait maybe another second or two longer, uh, it eases my mind. So uh, keep doing the good work. And uh, next time, I'll call for a more important matter. <laughs> hey, Jesse and Brittany. Uh, you were talking on last episode about why anybody backs into a parking spot. And my reasoning, if uh, there's nobody behind me so that I am not an asshole, is that pedestrians uh, already see my cars moving and they'll get out of the way when I'm backing in if I don't see them. Whereas uh, when you start your car and you're backing out, pedestrians may not see your reverse lights and you just ran over someone's kit because they were in your blind spot got dark uh, on the other hand if you back into a parking spot when you start it up you have a full view of the small child landscape so that's all small the child show. landscape the <laughs> love the show Brittany's the best part so we also got an email from Jill in Denmark. Um, yes. Hey, Jesse, because it's generally safer. And besides that, when you drive a car in reverse, you have more maneuverability than when driving forward. Yeah, tell so get that to Americans. It. So get over it, Jesse. Winky face, smiley face, smiley face. Thanks for everything you guys do. Smiley face. <laughs> Can I... Well, no, I want to talk about, because Jill also sent this link to a Vox article. A Vox article, yeah. And the the first part of it says, every year, some 300 people are killed and 18,000 are injured by drivers who are backing up, usually in driveways or parking lots. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I would have thought well, that it would be more. Well, it's also interesting because now many of the car, the new cars have the cameras, rear view yeah. cameras. And so you think that that would help probably, maybe. For sure. I think so. What's interesting though, and I was thinking about this as I was listening to the calls, someone was talking about, and sorry, it was all of them together. So I yeah, don't know who yeah, said yeah, it, yeah. Um, that people speeding behind you when you're backing out, that happens all the all, time here. It's also one of my pet peeves. And it's also yeah. one of your pet peeves is you're trying to back out and someone just speed races right through while you're trying to back up. They don't care at all yeah. about the fact that you're trying to back up. That happens all the time. So you just can't win. That makes me more mad because it happens more frequently than dickholes who back in. Mm. But let, let me let me say two things. One, look, I'm not too proud to say when I'm wrong, and I'm uh, I'm fucking wrong about this. 
I mean, they're writing articles about it. Clearly, there are reasons behind it. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to be fucking aggravated anymore, mm. but I I won't. I'm not going to be uh, judging them as harshly. I'll still be inconvenienced because people are idiots who can't do it um, effectively mm-hmm. and uh, efficiently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I'm going to get while they're doing. I understand now why they're doing it. Well, maybe it should be a skill that they teach in driver's ed. Yes. And the other thing. Along with using your signal. Is I fucking love our audience. I love that they get it. (laughs) That when I'm using all the invectives and calling people assholes and fuck these assholes and they get it. Just being a radical yeah, they're guy. Not, I don't really think people who back into parking places are really assholes. Not everybody who aggravates me is an asshole. I might think it in the very moment that I'm aggravated. Mm-hmm. But come on. But then when you have time to be reflective during your 15-minute monologue about the hatred that you have for the people... <laughs> You come around to a more reasonable position and use more reasonable language. The point is... Luckily, we were able to witness it on the the last episode. The point is... Yes. I love the audience. Mm. I love that they get it. Yes. (laughs) That's a good time. It is a good time. And you can stop being an asshole anytime. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck. So anyway, let's kind of get into some other calls about some... Some actual topics. Mm-hmm. First, let's go to Aaron in Oklahoma. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Aaron. Uh, I have a couple points, so bear with me if I get to talking too too quickly for you. Uh, first, I'm so fucking sick of these hayseeds and their butt Obamaism. I feel like I'm watching my fucking elementary age children fight. Like the brother wakes up earlier than everybody and sneaks a popsicle, so sister's mad because she didn't get a popsicle. Well, I don't give a fuck if brother had a popsicle. You're not supposed to have popsicles for breakfast. Get over it. I, I just I just don't understand these petulant assholes. Yes, and it if is that where it ended? No, if it seems like there should be more call there, it obviously did seem like that to you. The other part of the call was shitting on me about the the back and in, oh. which was in the little montage that we just played. Got it. So I had to do some fancy footwork with the, the audio splicing. Okay. Because that's how dedicated I am to this program, mm-hmm. Brittany Page. Yeah, so it's been a particularly difficult few days to be on the internet, at mm. least for me, personally. Especially with this particular thing. Yeah, I... It has been... It has been really difficult, and it's been a good lesson in how people generally don't care about facts. Yeah, um, yeah, you especially could say that again. especially if they don't support their political opinions. So it's just been a really frustrating time, especially for people who care about the issues and want to try to have conversations with people. Um, it just it leaves you in a tough spot. The problem I have. This week, obviously, is with the, the the MAG Americans. They've been on my nerves. Obama did the same thing. No, Obama didn't do the same thing. Obama did some bad shit. Obama um, headed up an administration that deported record numbers of people. You could agree or disagree with that, but that is fact. But what's bothered me, um, apart from the MAG Americans, is liberals who give 
conservatives and rabid Trump supporters ammunition when they post shit that's not true. Mm. I believe when you have truth on the side. On your side. On your side. Yeah, thank you. Just on any side. Yeah, if there's truth on some side, you yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, if you have truth on your side, you don't need to resort to posting pictures of shit that didn't isn't from right now. You 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 don't have to resort to inflammatory bullshit. Listen, when human rights abuses are happening right now surrounding the Donald Trump administration, you don't need to read that's low hanging fucking fruit. You don't need to to concoct some kind of a thing to to kind of entrap Donald Trump and these idiots. There's plenty of ammunition there. There's plenty of shit to share. And I've seen a lot this week of of liberals who are are just putting themselves in the line of fire to be made to look stupid and giving the other side ammunition to say, "Hey, they're not being honest about what's going on." Do you and do It's you- a bummer. Do you have an example of this that you would want to reference? Well, I, th- that the kid in the in the cage mm-hmm. from the protest mm-hmm. has now become it's being shared all over the place as though that is an actual human being that is being um, separated from their family by Donald Trump. It's been a meme now, and it's just that's not you're talking about the little kid who's crying in the blue and black shirt. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't think I've oh. seen it. Yeah. Well, there was a protest, mm-hmm. and they had like a dog kennel there, and they put a bunch of kids in it, uh-huh. and they took pictures, and they were like out in front of a Walmart or something. Yeah. And th- those photos somehow got released to the public, and mm-hmm. they're being shared around like that kid was an actual separated child, mm. and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And there's just no need to go there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a few others, but I wasn't prepared to... This wasn't where I was going. We, right, you know, we right. we kind of freeform, Brittany. Yeah. Yes. So I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm frustrated with both. Obviously, I'm more frustrated. Frustrated. See, I can't even fucking talk. I'm more frustrated with the human rights abusers than than people who are you know being a little loosey goosey with what they share. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm more frustrated. Mm-hmm. But I, but I want to hold our side accountable and hold them to, hold us to a. A high standard mm-hmm. and not give the other side ammunition to be dicks. Yeah. So thanks for the call, Aaron. We appreciate it. I don't know if we've talked about what about ism at all, but uh, we appreciate your, your viewpoints. And we appreciate you calling in. Um, next, I got a couple calls that are for Mark, the mailman. Mark called in talking about pride and we gave a kind of off the cuff answer that seemed to be not good enough. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I was hoping it was good enough. People... We did get some feedback. They said, thank you, whatever. We got a lot of feedback. And uh, yeah, we got a lot, a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, too much, uh, especially since we're we're damn near to a half hour already. Um, two calls. Mm-hmm. One from uh, a gay man and the other, um, well, we'll just play the calls. Let's go to San Diego. Hey, guys. Ben from San Diego here. I just wanted to call and respond to Mark the Mailman's comments on gay pride. I think you guys did a good job responding to his contrarian bullshit. And as a gay man, I'd like to add one key point about pride. Pride is important for the LGBT community members who still live in oppressive environments in the United States. It communicates that they are loved and accepted. 
Pride tells members of my community that they have a family waiting for them when their family tells them that they're an abomination. Also, the use of bai and hai were popularized by drag queens. I think the irony of Mark using that at the end of his call to complain about gay pride speaks for itself. <laughs> bye. <laughs> um, l- let me say this. I didn't I didn't even know that last fact about the bye. Mm-hmm. The bye has been, become kind of a thing on the show because a caller, Daria, I believe, always signs off with the bye and we've kind of got a kick out of it. So I'm not going to I'm not going to pen mark down on that because that's been kind of a thing, a meme on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's interesting to know that that was popularized. Yeah, by... I think the the important point there yeah. is that uh, it it provides a family, um, like yeah. like Ben said, and um, kind of what we talked about is if there's. Uh, nothing that's hurting you, right? Just like we talk about with everything else, then why why does it matter? Yeah. Um, it's not hurting anybody. It's, in fact, doing good for people. So why does it matter? Yeah. But there has been um, a little bit of controversy surrounding us playing Mark the Mailman's voicemails in the Dollamore listener group. And some people have expressed that they... Um, that that last voice memo was the the last straw, basically. But we shouldn't play anything that he calls in, with. right? And I I don't agree with that. Um, I do think Mark obviously tends toward Dick Holish behavior, um, which at times can be kind of funny, but then it can also remind you of those people who just like to get a rise out of you because they feel like they win when you yeah. get a rise when they get a rise out of you. He's not quite a guy who wants to argue for argument's sake, I don't think in my estimation. But he's almost that guy. Yeah, and it, it kind of comes down to um <sighs> that Sam Harris quote. Um like what evidence will you provide to someone who doesn't value evidence or, yeah. or what logical argument could you provide to someone who doesn't value logic? Um, it's almost to that point sometimes with the conversations that that we've had. Um, but at the same time, I think it's important because we can't just shy away from engaging people because they're frustrating or because they have uh, terrible beliefs. Um, yeah. I, I think there is some value in still trying to have a conversation with those people. Now, if he's always being disingenuous, then yeah, that's not good. But um, there have been moments of uh, questioning and possibly having breakthroughs. So not just because you don't hear it on the show doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. Um, but again... Um, it's not as though he like has a platform here. Like he's like converting people with his ideas. Like his arguments aren't good. So I, I, again, I, I might be sounding a little dickholish myself here, but, um, Mark knows how I feel. And we've had private interactions where I've tried to provide him with additional information, additional sourcing, um, things like that. Um, so uh, anyone who I feel is like getting ready to, go on to a side that is not good um, and and have beliefs that are very detrimental. I want to try to do what I can to stop that. Or I want to try to provide other people with arguments to defeat that as well. And so I think that's really the important part is playing 
um, ideas that we don't agree with and then challenging those ideas and kind of giving people the tools to do that themselves in their own lives with people that they know yeah. that, that have similar beliefs. Yeah. And that the, the, that's the other element. You led me right into it. That's great. Um, is it not necessarily a conversation with Mark? My goal isn't always, look, I have the bigger picture in mind here, maybe the 30,000 foot view. We have thousands of people listen to the show. And there might be a lot of people out there who have that same attitude, maybe even secretly in their heads, silently to themselves. Why do they get pride? We don't get straight month. And when you explain it, then they'll be, oh, yeah, fuck, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily giving Mark a platform and his ideas and he's changing hearts and minds with his three minutes at a time on the show. Mm-hmm. It's also it's playing the question, which in many cases, probably isn't a sinister question. A lot of people don't know LGBT history. Mm-hmm. I need to know more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who don't know, they think it is just a you know a, a crazy naked parade or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they don't know that it's about, look, we didn't used to be able to be out and proud. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to shut that down... Shut to shut Mark down and shut that question down shuts down the conversation mm-hmm. because I don't know that, and maybe this is an indictment on me. I don't know that we would be talking about pride, yeah, at all mm-hmm. if it weren't for the question posed by Mark. I think that's probably true. And let me say this my feelings were this is gonna sound a little pussy, a little pusillanimous. <laughs> Thank you, John from Ohio. Um, I my feelings were a little hurt. Hmm. Mikey, hmm. Illinois, hmm. Mikey in Chicago. There was there was a comment made about I and I'm not gonna I, I'm gonna be very careful with what details I call in with because I don't want them being used and then put on the air. Like Mark would attack him. Yeah, or that we're going to allow this to be a platform. Well, one, I don't even know that Mark would do that. Mm-hmm. I have my doubts. Mm-hmm. Only because we've had some interaction with him. We don't know Mark. Mm-hmm. But hes I don't think he's a, he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's got some bad ideas yeah. that he hasn't really worked through yet. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we, we try to yeah, do. Yeah, but listen... It, it, it do, it does it kind of it tugs at my heartstrings that people would think that we would allow mm-hmm. some onslaught to take place and use our air, use our show, our planning, our effort here, the conversation that we facilitate that we would let it become fucking toxic. Mm-hmm. Kind of hurts my feelings, and I I don't want to be victim guy, but come on, man, I I think we're better than that. I certainly think I'm better than that. Yeah. So I I just think that it, hopefully people trust us with what we're doing here and understand that, like Mark sent in another voicemail. We're not playing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll say that. Um, we, we He has sent in many voicemails that we don't play. Yeah. Well, it's not even because he's had enough time. It's just that. Uh, the, well, it's the, about the, it's about what's productive and what's not. Yeah, and also okay? the tr- so if his yeah. if his question had been malicious, 
um and disingenuous and we we got a vibe from it that we thought that nothing productive would come out of it then we wouldn't have played it we wouldn't have played it but look what 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 came out of this we got we got ben from san diego we have austin from idaho next with a great call there's a discussion that's being had we talked last show about the history of pride a little bit um those things are important maybe people went and looked up pride to learn more about it we wet their historical appetite and they want to learn more about it maybe people were given ammunition in that in that episode in Ben's call in Austin's call that we're about to play for how to counter these types of arguments when they're with their family members at Thanksgiving when they're with their friends or their co-workers and they hear the same kind of line from someone who believes what Mark the Mailman believes that's the whole point of this yeah. um, and hopefully people know that we're <laughs> we are trying to do something beneficial even if we play calls from people that they don't like yes austin from boise idaho hey guys it's austin from boise this is the first time that i've done this where i've actually stopped an episode in the middle to respond to something on the show mark fucking mailman god (laughs) damn it dude This last voicemail that you sent in just goes to prove you are as arrogant as you are ignorant. To coincide with your questioning of what is there to be proud of in being gay, I'm going to tell you a little story that sort of parallels that experience. This story is about a little half-black kid who was adopted, raised in a white household, in a white state, and went to white schools his entire life. Not only did this little kid feel different every single day of his life, but he felt hatred, he felt vitriol, he felt prejudice against him for no reason other than the color of his skin. This color was something that he grew to be ashamed of, that he felt awful about because Every once in a while, somebody would ask you, why why are you darker than your family? Why don't you look like your brother or your dad? And this little kid grew up, and he started getting tailed in stores. People started walking away from him on the sidewalk. People started questioning his relationships with women because of the mixed race issue. So he compensated. After all of that negative, abusive bullshit that he went through, he got his education. He started working on being well-spoken. He started trying to hide outwardly the fact that he was any part of any African-American culture and started adopting the white culture that he was immersed in. For years, he looked over his shoulders He wondered when the next time he was going to be called a nigger would be. He wondered when the next time he was going to catch a strange look because he was holding his partner's hand in public and wondered what that person was thinking. It took him 30 years to figure out that being who he is is something to celebrate especially when that something is different than everything else around him. It's contrary to the status quo if you hadn't guessed that person that little boy was me 
it took me a long time to figure out that I need to be proud of who I am for what I am and the color that I am. And yes, I am proud. I am proud to be black in a sea of white. And if for some reason you have a problem with that, you have got your priorities twisted, my friend. Take a step outside of your white, heterosexual, privileged life and understand the plights of others. Because the common level playing field and camaraderie that you share with everybody else around you in your world is not the experience of everybody else. So yes, blacks are proud to be black and gays should be proud to be gays. Pride is something that is so special to so many people because they are surrounded by the people that feel and hurt and express themselves the way that they do. And just because you don't understand that, for whatever backward reason, you even think that's a contentious talking point, doesn't mean that they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they should be ashamed of who they are or hide it from you just because you are so used to your heterosexual, binary, normative bullshit that you think that it's an affront to your security as whoever you are. For fuck's sake, Mark. A, you've got some fucking book learning to do, and B, you've got some lessons in compassion and empathy to be had. If you're gonna talk on this level, on this platform, don't be an asshole, because that's how you're coming across. Woo! Alright, I'm done, guys. Um, sorry. <laughs> Love you both. Bye. Austin's the best part? <laughs> Austin is most certainly the best part. Uh, listen. That was super powerful. Yeah, as uh, just as a matter of full disclosure. Uh-oh. Austin's been um, a wonderful friend of mine, a beautiful human being in my life for, goddamn, um, about a decade. Mm -hmm. A long time. Um, and I love him dearly, and it's it's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. I, because it, it gives me a glimpse into his world. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should all be striving for. Yes. Mixed race Austin, growing up with a white family. I don't have any fucking idea what that's like. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what it's like to grow up a gay man like Ben from San Diego. Mm -hmm. Marissa, mm -hmm. who called in when we're not going to get time to play the call. Mm -hmm. Meg from Arkansas, who called in. Mm -hmm. Not going to get time to play the call. I have no idea what the world looks like through their beautiful eyes. And that is what is important about this. Mm -hmm. It gives people just a... Ah, just a sous-son, just a taste, <laughs> just a little bit mm -hmm. of a glimpse. Yeah. And we appreciate all of the effort, all of the calls, all of the feedback. It is awesome. I don't know how to teach that to people, um, to to be open to the idea that you you should listen to other people's experiences and allow those experiences to change you.
Yeah. Um, and not be afraid to admit certain things about your own privileges um, compared to other people's experiences, that it doesn't take anything away from you to acknowledge other people's suffering or oppression. Uh, it doesn't take anything away from you to listen and be transformed by people's experiences and to be a little bit more empathetic, to not be so black and white, yeah. all or nothing. Um, the world is complicated. Life is hard. And I I think we could all use a little bit more compassion for other people. So um, I'm, I'm really thankful to Austin for sending that in. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Uh, one more call before we move on. At Team Ian, Washington, D.C., our senior senior incel correspondent. <laughs> He's got to hate that. Hey, guys. It's your pal, at Team Ian. Uh, I want to call and respond to, well, it's not really a response. It's more of a thank you to talking about Quillet dipshit magazine, which just boils my fucking blood. And I didn't know it was Quilla. Of course it is. Of course those pretentious fucks named it something quasi-French sounding. It is secretly one of just the largest open sewers imaginable. You know, you guys did a good job basically explaining it, but, you know, it's sort of this clearinghouse for everyone who thinks, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson and Dave Rubin and all those guys are sort of on to the secret forbidden knowledge. It's the same. They all embrace basically like scientism, the idea that um, we should look to nature to explain everything in humanity and things like, you know, the, the basically the existing power structures in this country or this world, be it from patriarchy to white, to sort of white privilege, to any sort of thing, it can all actually be explained away through science, and it's in fact natural. That's why you have, you know, the reemergence of, you know, racist shitheads like Charles Murray and things like that. And the, in addition to being sort of vile and gross, these guys are such fucking nerds. Oh my god, they're the logic pedants. There's the, they're the, they're the fucking. Um, just read any of the articles. They are like 40 paragraphs long. They were full of so many like needlessly larger words. It's just the biggest collection of dorks and dweebs I've ever... Like, they just... They, uh, it's just unfortunate that there aren't adult lockers for these people to be shoved into because <laughs> that is the only place where it belongs. Um, oh, and speaking of, I've just updated my uh, the amount I give to you guys because I, I heard about the Sam Harris losing you fans so uh you know i want to try to kind of help stem that tide and encourage everyone else to do the same uh yeah that's pretty much it have a good one cheers so i'm scrolling through um quillette's main page just to look at the titles of the articles yeah and i actually saw one by will store who hmm. is the author of The Unpersuadables, Adventures with the Enemies of Science, which is one of my favorite books. And he also just wrote a book, Selfie, How We Became So Self-Obsessed and What It's Doing to Us, which is another great book. Yeah. I um, mean, this is just an excerpt from his book. So 
I don't know if I would say everyone who writes on the website is a turd because I like Will Storer. I'm not sure why he went to Quillette to post an (laughs) excerpt of his book, but I'm sure he has a reason. Maybe it's, I don't know, the like academic audience or something and he wants to sell books to them. But yeah, I think this is a good lesson in uh, checking sources right learning about the website yeah, from yeah. which you um from which an article came and being able to determine is this a valid source is this person who read this a normal person all of those things uh you know what i've noticed about the internet lately and tell me if this has happened to you or if we've already talked about this i just assume everything i read was written like 10 minutes before i read it Like that everything on the internet that I'm reading is from today. Like real time, huh? Like from today. I don't think it's old. And sometimes I open an article and I check the date and it was written in like 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen to you? You No. You've never shared an old article thinking it was new? Um, That has happened. Yeah, but I don't don't automatically assume. I don't know. That that for sure has happened to me. In fact, it happened... Where I have to like, oh, fuck, and I scramble to delete the post. Yeah, so we're getting off track. But that that's another thing about the internet. So under the umbrella of understanding what you're reading, understanding websites, yeah. um, I, I think it's good that we had the conversation just so that people are aware of kind of what it is. And it really is primarily uh, a platform for people that are intellectual dark webby um, to write their columns. Yeah, I, I agree. And he gave me a little too much credit lumping me in with you guys explaining it because I had no fucking idea what what it was until, I don't know, a few weeks ago we were talking about it and you turned me on to it. I had no idea what Quillette was. So uh, The other thing I want to say, though, to, to, to Ian is thank you. We, we're going to get to it here in a minute. Just a minute. Uh, him up in his pledge. Yeah. and. And because of, and I don't know if it's because Sam Harris lost us followers <laughs> and lost us Patreon support. I think it's the actual supporters who lost us the support. <laughs> <laughs> and I think those supporters would probably contend it's because of us that we lost mm. the support. Yes. Either way, thank you all for the calls. We appreciate it very much. We love you guys. If you too would like to sound off, 657 464 7609, or you can do as your fellow listeners have done. Email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have one new Patreon supporter and three Patreon supporters who have upped their pledge. Yes. Mikey. Mikey. Is the new Patreon supporter. That is beautiful. Uh, we have three. Tony. Tony. Ian. Ian. And Ben. Ben. Who have upped their pledge. That is fantastic beautiful and guys listen i've been doing so good with keeping up with the stickers and sending them out we just mailed some today we walked into the studio and i, tossed them I in am there. mailing them off real fast like a boss yes and so we, i mean we may have to retire i'm not prepared <laughs> i'm super prepared <laughs> 
Um, so when you get them, please make sure you send us a picture. Show us where they end up. We love seeing that. Um, if you're at a bar that has stickers and you put it on the wall or whatever, take a picture of it. Tell us where you are. Um, we love seeing it. We love seeing them all over the world. So I'm getting ready to send one to Ireland. Yes. Um, we love <laughs> getting new Patreon supporters in different countries and seeing where those end up too. It's like a feather in my, my cap. You know, mm. the cap I always wear. Yes. With I the am- feather in it. Yeah. <laughs> Classy Jesse D with the feather cap. Um, so C- can I say one thing? Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, is Patreon just kind of opened up their... Is it the back end? Like they, there's these different areas that we can go now to see just how many people are listed as Patreon supporters, but their credit cards are declined, mm-hmm. and it's almost one third. Yeah, of our Patreon supporters, is it? Is that right? One third? No, it's about a quarter. No, it's less than that. We have about two hundred sixty, and like fifty of them. Are declined. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's whatever. It's mm-hmm. if you think your credit card might be declined, if you haven't seen a charge on it, you want to keep supporting the show, go in there and fix it. That's all. All right. Good times. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So everything is fine, perfectly fine. Um, there's nothing to worry about. The world is getting better. Um, <laughs> things are getting easier. Um, it's just getting more beautiful every single day. And shockingly enough, I know everybody's going to be very surprised by this. Donald Trump is a wonderful person who doesn't use racist language at all. Mm. When talking about immigrants, he doesn't use language like infestation. We begin with breaking news in the politics lead. Senate Republicans sending a message to President Trump this afternoon that they are not going to stand with him on his new policy that has resulted in thousands of migrant children being taken from their moms and dads after being apprehended at the southwest border. Moments ago, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced that Senate Republicans are united in their determination to end this practice. I support and all of the members of the Republican conference support a plan that keeps families uh, together while their immigration status is determined. That, of course, would theoretically override the new Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy that took effect in the spring, prompting criminal prosecutions of every single person apprehended at the border, which has resulted in thousands of children being taken from their parents, complete with heartbreaking images and haunting sounds of frightened, confused, and screaming kids. President Trump today, desperately trying to regain control of the story, tried to change the conversation to the larger topic of illegal immigration. Today, President Trump, using some of his darkest language yet, perhaps the harshest rhetoric he's used about this issue since the opening day of his campaign, tweeting this morning, quote, Democrats are the problem. They don't care about crime and want illegal immigrants, no matter how bad they may be, to pour into and infest our country. Like MS-13, they can't win on their terrible policies, so they view them as potential voters. You'll notice the use of the dehumanizing word infest there, applied to undocumented immigrants, part of the president's embrace of the politics of fear and division, talking about the, quote, death and destruction that's been caused by people coming into this country and suggesting 
that those of us in the media covering these children impacted by his new policy are helping criminals. They're fake. They are helping. They are helping these smugglers and these traffickers like nobody would believe. And as if that divisive rhetoric were not enough. Democrats love open borders. Let the whole world come in. Let the whole world. MS-13 gang members from all over the place. Come on in. We have open borders. Someday they're going to vote for Democrats. The problem for President Trump is that even though 58 percent of Republican voters support his new policy, which prompts these children to be separated from their family, two thirds of the overall American people, plus many Republican lawmakers, faith leaders and even former First Lady Laura Bush, well, they do not. The president and his administration defending this policy have lied and obfuscated and told half-truths about it, falsely blaming the new policy on Democrats, falsely denying it exists, and they cannot even seem to be able to get on the same page on some major points about the policy. For instance, whether separating families and the overall zero-tolerance policy is a deterrent for illegal immigration. Here's Attorney General Jeff Sessions last night. Are you considering this a deterrent? I see that the fact that no one was being prosecuted for this as a factor in a five-fold increase in four years in this kind of illegal immigration. So, yes, I hopefully people will get the message. So, yes, zero tolerance is intended as a deterrent, says the attorney general. But just hours before, the Homeland Security Secretary, Kirsten Nielsen, seemed offended by the very notion. Are you intending... For this to play out as it is playing out, are you intending for parents to be separated from their children? Are you intending to send a message? I I find that offensive. What? No, because why why would I ever create a policy that purposely does that? Perhaps it's a deterrent. No. Mm. Yeah. So infest to um, of insects or animals be present in a place or site in large numbers, typically so as to cause damage or disease. Dog whistle. Same kind of language that Nazis used against the Jews in World War II. Precisely the it's, same type of language. It's the same language that white supremacists use now yes. about minority groups. Yes. You don't even need to go back in yeah, history. you're right. It's, no, it's, for sure. It's language that's used now. And first of all, let, 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 let's get off, uh, uh, say right away that today he signed an executive order. Remember that Congress was the only one who could fix this. This was out of his hands. And just hours ago, apparently he found the power within himself and the office he holds to make something happen. Because he's a fucking liar. And all the time, he was able to do it. He made it happen. He could make it end. But using this kind of language, it sets up his minions to be wanton, hateful dickholes. Listen to Steve Cortez talking about immigrants being invaders. So uh, what Steve is saying actually breaks my heart because it underscores a complete and total lack of 
understanding whether you don't care about it, Steve, or you just don't get it and don't know the facts. I don't know. I don't know which one is worse. These immigrants, and I am an immigrant, and I am a mother, and I they're come from a, I they're come not from immigrants. a country. They're, they're invaders. They're not finish. immigrants. Let me finish. They're not they're, immigrants. Let me finish. They're I did invaders. not interrupt you. you. you I did not immigrant. interrupt you. You're an they invader. are immigrants. Invaders? They are immigrants. Okay, wow. Steve, when you I am come an, here I am, I am you are an immigrant. Invader. I am an immigrant. Wow. I come from a country who has also seen the kinds of atrocities that these families are fleeing. I know this firsthand. A family does not wake up in the morning that comes from these countries and they are fleeing certain death, Aaron, to say, oh, I think it would be fun to cross the, the border on a life-threatening journey with my children in tow to see if I can break into the United States. That does not happen. They come here because they have no choice. They are facing certain death and they want to come to a country that they believe where they at least have a smidgen of hope to give their children a better future. On every conceivable level and by every measurable metric, this is an abomination. It is dictatorial. It is inhumane. It is diabolical. And that is why you have supporters of President Trump who have been with him on everything up until now. His evangelical leaders so are saying that this is disgusting and it should have, stop we now. We heard that from, from the likes of several of them, uh, Bob Vanderplatz, Franklin Graham. Let me play uh, Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, who is an immigration hardliner and has been a huge supporter of the president, Anthony Scaramucci, who defends him on basically everything, who is not defending him on well, this. Let me just play No, he it. Exactly. That's not true. I support, and all of the members of the Republican conference support, a plan that keeps families uh, together while their immigration status is determined. All of us who are seeing these images of children being pulled away from, from moms and dads in tears, we're, we're horrified. This has to stop. He's got to step in there and he's got to end this thing because I think it's an atrocious policy. Uh, it's inhumane. It's offensive to the average American. You, Steve, are calling them invaders. If you come across our border without permission, you are an invader. There's no other word okay, to describe so, so your it. Listen, I love immigration. It's inhumane. I, it's horrifying. Uh, we know that pediatricians say it can cause lifelong harm. I don't want to even ask you what you'd think if it happened to you and your own children, because I know the answer. You'd think it was an abomination. The, listen, you'd the be children, heartbroken. The children, like anybody else the would. children know, are the Aaron. victims. Why do you use the word Aaron, invaders? The They're not coming the with victims. guns. They're coming because they want to be I'm not part talking about the country, children. not I'm because about they want to destroy the country. Aaron, the their parents are the invaders, not the children. Okay. The children are their the victims. Parents are but they are not, not the invaders. They are not the victims. They are they are invaders. If you they do not, not have permission to be in our country and you cross our border, Steve, by definition, you are an invader. That allows people who are fleeing certain death and abomina abominable conditions okay. in their own home country to come and ask for asylum. The perversion here is that even those who are presenting themselves to border patrol at legal ports of entry, their mm -hmm. children are also being taken away. That is a well. perversion of the American dream, and, and Trump is the only one responsible but i'll tell you one thing all of the gop will be paying for it in november yep. that's why you have all of these republican leaders who are so scared about the images that they are seeing and want trump to change this now donald trump calls them an infestation that they are going to infest our country giving steve cortez leave to call them invaders and I'm sure you've heard the clip, if you've been on the internet for even five minutes yesterday, 
Corey Lewandowski, Donald Trump's former campaign manager, an assaulter of female reporters who just want to ask him questions, does the most disgusting and vile thing on Fox News' air when talking about the separation from her family of a 10-year-old with Down syndrome. I mean, look, I, I read today about a 10-year-old uh, girl with Down syndrome who was taken from her mother and put in a cage. Wah, I wah. read about a, a, did you say want, want to a 10-year-old with Down syndrome what being I taken from her mother? What I said is you can mother? pick anything How you want, but the bottom line How is very clear. You? When you cross the border you, illegally, sir? you How have dare given you? up the... It's a bummer that civility has to be made at all cost. You gotta be civil. How about, no, fuck you, Corey Lewandowski. You fucking coward. Womp womp. Oh, a terrified 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome being ripped from her parents. Womp womp womp. Cry me a river. Fuck you. And this is a man who Donald Trump handpicked to be his right-hand man on the campaign. Donald Trump sets it up, and they all follow suit. And then when given a chance to apologize, what do you think he did? It wasn't apologize. Our next guest has become part of the story. Corey Lewandowski joins us now. Corey, dealing with children's very sensitive and obviously very highly charged subject. You made a comment last night that's gotten a lot of attention in the media. Would you like to address that right now? Well, I'd love to address it because my comment was specifically about Zach trying to politicize the use of children as a political football in this discussion because the law is very clear. When parents commit crimes by coming into this country, regardless of who their children are, they are separated because we are a nation of laws. That has never changed. This is a policy that is uh, implemented under the Obama administration, and Congress can change this. But they've chosen not to do that. And so it doesn't matter to me if you come with one child or 10 children. Nobody wants to see their parents separated from their children. But the parents understand that by coming to this country illegally, they're committing a crime and there are consequences, just as there would be in any other country in the world. So let's not make this about politicizing children. Let's make it about the rules and the laws. And Congress has the ability to change that. But to be clear, you were not speaking about the young girl with Down syndrome that was separated from her parents at the border? Look, I, I don't know the young girl uh, that Zach referenced. I was mocking Zach, a liberal Democrat National Committee activist who is doing nothing but politicizing the issue of making an example of one particular child. No, you weren't. Um, Clearly. And... I, I'm I'm really just I'm kind of at a loss um, for words with this. Uh, there's only so much you can say to someone who behaves this way. Yeah, I love that his defense is everybody else would do it. Yeah, Ugh. what a great argument. What did, did you did you hear that hard hitting journalistic question though? Fox News and Congress has the ability to change that. But to be clear, you were not speaking about the young girl with Down syndrome that was separated from her parents at the border? It's not. Were you doing that? It's to be clear, you were not doing that. Mm -hmm. 
not, hey, what was the deal? What was in your head? Why, why did you say that? It's to be clear, you were not doing that, right? Wink, wink, nudge, right. nudge. Right. Ugh. So real quickly, I, I want to talk about something because I, I think what's happening with the discourse is this is primarily about partisanship. Um, and if the opposing party was doing this, we might be seeing more outrage from um, Republicans. Although I will say some Christians are pushing back, uh, like Jeff Sessions' church. Yeah. Um, pushing back on him, like wanting to kick him out um, for his comments. So that's that's good to see. Um, but Steve Schmidt, he just yeah. announced... Seismic. He just announced that he is leaving the Republican Party um, and encouraging other people to vote Democrats in uh, November. He ran John McCain's campaign. Yeah, he's been a lifelong Republican. Yeah. And uh, he tweeted, This independent voter will be aligned with the only party left in America that stands for what is right and decent and remains fidelitous. Fidelitous? I'm not sure if that's a word. Um, to our republic, objective truth, the rule of law, and our allies. That party is the Democratic Party. And S.E. Cup retweeted this and said... Did she shit on him? And said, believe me, I get the frustration, but this makes no sense. It's like a disheartened Red Sox fan saying, that's it, I'm rooting for the Yankees. If, you know, the Yankees were for higher taxes, big government, abortion, and gun bans. Fuck her. But someone retweeted her tweet. And I want to I wanna read this tweet thread. Um, hopefully you guys get something out of it. And I'm not just torturing all of you. I, I thought it was um, awesome. It's from Liliana Mason, who is an assistant professor of government and politics. Um, her handle is at Lily Mason PhD. And this is her tweet thread. She retweeted the SE Cup uh, tweet and she said, I'm actually pretty startled to see a real life example of a partisan commentator admitting that partisanship is just another sports game. The logic here, I think, goes that it makes no sense to vote for the other side on principle because that would allow them to win. So she's arguing that that's essentially what SC yeah. Cup is saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Liliana goes on. Um, Team victory is more important than policy disagreements with the party. This is an admission that partisan politics is relatively devoid of content and focused largely on winning at all costs, even when those costs were explicitly noted to be the welfare of innocent children. If we were to poll Americans six months ago about whether toddlers and babies should be indefinitely separated from their parents and placed into camps because of misdemeanor offenses, parenthetically, see parking violations, I cannot imagine a single American who would agree. But as soon as the state kidnapping of children becomes a partisan issue, the strongest partisans find a way to justify supporting the policy. These justifications are psychologically necessary for partisans who cannot bear to think of their own party as fallible or wrong. The party is so central to the identity of these individuals that they would be lost without the conviction that they are on the right side. But even I didn't think we would see party identity grow strong enough to allow the internment of babies. Victory at all costs is a phrase I often use, but there was a part of me parenthetically the non-academic part, that always thought there could be a limit, that some costs were too large. But when racial and partisan identities align, there may be no limit. 
What we're seeing in the loyal Republican response to the situation at the border is a truly disturbing example that the need for team victory and supremacy is capable of eclipsing some of our most basic moral judgment judgments. Once we dehumanize babies in the name of party victory, we can do almost anything. No shit. And that's at Lily Mason PhD. And, and let me let, let me we should try to get her on the show. There's isn't that an incredible? Yeah, it's awesome. I would push back and say that SC Cup is not someone who doesn't think her party can do any wrong because she clearly has issues with her party. My problem with SC Cup, if you don't know who she is, by the way, she's a host on HLN um, and she used to be with Fox all the time. She's a, used to be just kind of a talking head. Now she's got a show, but she's an atheist, mm-hmm. an out atheist, even though she coddles religious types. Mm-hmm. Is why the fuck is she still a Republican when there's so much rotten with the Republican Party, including the man who was nominated to run as president of the United States, unlike any other bad candidate that the country has ever seen. It's time to fucking cut bait, S.E. Cup. Well, that's what's weird for someone that you are deeming. You are deeming S.E. Cup a thinker. And she's retweeting Steve Schmidt and unhappy with the fact that he's making a principled decision. Yeah. That this is based on principles. And she's like, wait a minute. No, we can't let liberals win. Yeah. It doesn't. The principles don't matter. The argument that he's making doesn't matter. It's the libs can't win. Yeah. That to me isn't someone who's a thinker. Or maybe it's someone who's a thinker, but just can't get out of the the partisan trap, the partisan cloud. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of vacillate between giving her credit and thinking that she's uh, earnest and that she's just a fucking hack. I, I listen, I was featured in like a uh, like an online article about some guy who attacked her for her looks when she was pregnant and I came to her defense. I mean, I've 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 stood up for her. Um so I do have a, a soft spot some uh, as thinking of her with with some, you know, level of 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Well, there's kind of that, that's apparently what's I'm not. Prepared. This is something that's happening with the notable figures in the Republican Party, though. Max Boot just left the Republican yeah. Party. You have uh, Tom Nichols today tweeting that he can't yet leave. That there's he still has hope that they can turn it around. Yeah. Um, come on. Bill Crystal, I think, is in the same boat as Tom Nichols. Yeah. So you, Rick Wilson, I'm sure is. You have these notable Republicans who have left. And then you have these notable Republicans who are on the way out because they don't like what's happening and they they see through it. And there's something unique about the other part of the Republican Party, which goes along with whatever Trump says. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how I, to. I, I would. Can I let me say this? I think there's probably some percentage of the audience out there that's like, hey, fuck these people. You've for so long been you know in the Republican Party. We don't want you. Keep in mind, if that is your attitude, and I'm just taking a stab that there's someone out there like that, I was there. Four years ago when we started this podcast, I still held pretty firm romantic ideas about libertarianism and conservatism. I didn't officially become a Democrat, and I've considered even leaving since um, to go back to no party preference, but... I didn't become a Democrat until the day after the election of Donald Trump officially. 
So if yours truly, if you have any respect for me, any fondness for me, any emotion or affection for me, I am those guys. I just did it a little earlier. And maybe they're, they, they, they took so long to leave because they dedicated their lives to a party that they earnestly thought had the better ideas. Wrong or not. Like, I don't think Steve Schmidt is an evil man. I, don't, I, I mean, I think his heart's in the right place. Anybody who's taken a stand against Trump, against the party machine, is not an ideologue. They're thinking about what's best for America. You got to give them at least that. At least that. So so let's let's wrap the Dalamocracy segment with this. And th- that is a, a great kind of a monologue that was given on MSNBC about how this crisis that was brought on by himself very well could be his undoing, at least in the midterms. This could be Donald Trump's Katrina. We are just over an hour away from what's expected to be an explosive meeting between the president and congressional Republicans, who are typically happy to follow Donald Trump on his misguided policy choices and to stay mostly silent on his unpresidential conduct, but who today, today are finally trying to pump the brakes on his zero-tolerance immigration policy, one that's left thousands of children suffering in detention centers along the border. Trump's own party now panicking in the face of the political blowback, underscored this morning by criticism from, of all papers, the Wall Street Journal, hardly a message board for the resistance, which warns today, quote, Trump officials are defending the policy as a deterrent to illegal entry, but surely they understand that separating parents from children is morally unacceptable and politically unsustainable. If Mr. Trump wants to lose the House and risk impeachment, keep giving Democrats a daily picture of children stripped from their parents. But Trump is answering the pleas from the right, as only Trump does, by digging in deeper and firing blame at anyone standing in his way, from Democrats to the media to Republicans who have offered up solutions. All we need is good legislation, and we can have it taken care of. We have to get the Democrats to go ahead and uh, work with us. What I'm asking Congress to do is to give us a third option, the legal authority to detain and promptly remove families together as a unit. We have no wall. We have no border security. Without a border, you don't have a country. The fake news media back there doesn't talk about that. They're fake. They are helping, they are helping these smugglers and these traffickers like nobody would believe. They know it, they know exactly what they're doing, and it should be stopped. And with the president firmly dug in on a policy of forcibly separating children from their parents at the border, it's time to draw the obvious parallel to what this moment may represent for this White House. Having served on the White House staff during Hurricane Katrina and its tragic aftermath, there are clear parallels to the situation the Trump administration finds itself in now, minus the natural disaster and president eager to right the ship. With the two crises share, inescapable images that capture the nation's attention and overshadow other news. A slow response from the federal government, a deficient message and deficient messengers, a perception that racial discrimination is at play, and, most importantly, 
no end in sight, all suggesting that for Trump, this crisis will be more than just another stain on an administration tinged by incompetence. For Trump, this crisis may be defining. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a bit optimistic. Um, I think it's a possibility. Yeah, well, listen, this this whole time they've been saying that the Democrats need to do something, that Donald Trump didn't have the power to do anything, yeah. that Congress needs to act. And then you have Donald Trump today with uh, Nielsen over his shoulder signing the executive order. Yeah, the, the um, thing he couldn't do, wasn't able to do to fix it, uh, he did to fix it. Right, I mean... We have we have to say that the executive order leaves open the possibility that the separations could continue. Yeah. So also, it doesn't uh, afford for those who have been separated to be reunified. Right. The twenty three hundred children that have already been separated are not going to be like grandfathered in to this deal. Uh, I, there I, are I, no plans for reunification in that case. I agree with you that it is optimistic. But, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> uh, if Sarah Huckabee Sanders comes out tomorrow and the press tries to ask questions like, hey, literally two days ago, the day before this executive order was signed, Nielsen was out here. And she was saying that the Democrats need to do something, that Congress needs to do something, that this is not the administration's doing, yeah. that Donald Trump can't do anything about it. And then the next day, he he signs an executive order. Yeah. So there needs to be more questions asked about this. I mean, it's maddening. He called his executive order affording Congress an opportunity to address family separation. Uh, Jesus Christ. That's what it's called. Listen, it is. Um, I, I, we were watching a, a clip on CNN before we came in to do the show, and they interviewed people in a diner in Texas, and it was maddening to listen to these idiots who have no grasp on the facts, who have no grasp on what the reality of the situation is. La probably because they watch Fox News all day long. And they're not getting the full story. They're getting the administration's talking points. And if that is what continues, I think it's unlikely that this commentator's prediction will be the, will be the case. I, listen, I, I've talked about the evaporation of support of Donald Trump. Um, I still think that there is a case for that, that it will be happening. But we may have seen the floor at about 32 to 35%. And once people really start realizing that this economy is uh, not all it was cracked up to be, which is very likely to happen, eh, then we'll see. Anyway, we'd love to know what you guys think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Um, female activists in Saudi Arabia. Yes. That's who is taking care of biz. Um, they just won the ability to drive. 
That is right. Too much credit's being tossed around to the government of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, the Saudi crown prince. Um, people have called have called this uh, reform revolutionary. Yeah. Like Nora O'Donnell on 60 Minutes apparently called it revolutionary, his reform. <laughs> um, and it's not him that, that did this. He's really caving to pressure from activists who he recently had arrested, actually, women's rights activists. Yeah, who are still in jail, in fact. Let, let's, I know we've talked about this in the past, but let's give, let, I'm going to play this, this sound here just to give you an idea of what's happening and uh, a little bit of background and a little bit of detail. Women in Saudi Arabia are finally getting behind the wheel. The journey has been long and fraught with challenges. So how did we get here? The, the history of Saudi Arabia since its founding has been one where the government has been gradually loosening the strings of tremendous conservatism. Ali Shihabi is a Saudi founder of the U.S.-based think tank, the Arabia Foundation. The issue of women's driving has always been a wedge issue. The religious right always saw as one thing that, that they would hold on to because they always felt that if women were allowed to drive, then the whole country will become, you know, a Sodom and Gomorrah. Recent demonstration by a group of women... That wedge started in the 1990s, at the start of the Gulf War. Instead of sitting in the passenger seat, some went behind the wheel. Well, they were fighting for their rights and they thought it was right, so... I think that when they think they're right, they should go for it. The women were arrested and subsequently released shortly after, leaving the fight for women's rights largely dormant after that. Then YouTube happened and protests started again. Women started driving in the kingdom, posting footage online, with public support on occasion going viral. Despite the support, though, more arrests followed. It wasn't until the 30-something Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman introduced aggressive reforms in the country that this was announced. A royal decree has been issued in Saudi Arabia giving women the right to drive. But while state media put out videos of women receiving their driving licenses, it also arrested some of its most prominent activists. And to many, it was a statement, as one Saudi activist who spoke to us on condition of anonymity explained. I feel really disappointed and hurt on so many levels. We should be in a position where we are maintaining some kind of civility and engagement. We should be in a position where you can be engaged safely with the government. Mohammed bin Salman had the guts to, to take this um, you know, authoritarian decision um, and arrest some of the, the, the people that would have been expected to resist it the most. So this was not a democratic decision. This was not a decision influenced by public participation. It was an autocratic decision taken by an autocrat who believed that this was in the best interest of society. Irrespective of whether the decision was democratic or autocratic, women are now getting behind the wheel of a car. And for the activists, they say this might just be the beginning. So it's important that the the credit, again, is not given to the government 
in yeah. Saudi Arabia because there's still there's still work to do as well. Um, but it is the activists that are getting this work done. And the government doesn't want to recognize the work of the activists and, in fact, wants to punish the activists and act like this change didn't come from them yeah. because they don't want more people rising up. That's right. They don't want more activism because next they're going to have to end male guardianship. And that should be the thing that they end next because there are women who still have to ask a male in their life to leave the house, permission to leave the house. Just to leave the fucking house. To go to the store. Yeah. We're not talking about leaving the country, going on a trip, which is shitty enough. That too, though. Just to leave the house. Right. To go run errands. Need permission from Uh. a man. So that's, that's the next step. But I think it's important not to um, go crazy giving Saudi Arabia credit um, and make sure that we're recognizing the the activists that really got this done and put put themselves in danger. In it's order- still illegal to be an atheist in Saudi Arabia. Ralph, Bad- Ralph Badawi is still in fucking prison mm-hmm. for writing a blog. It's not some enlightened society over there. Mm-hmm. Women are still oppressed. It's it's an oppressive regime, an oppressive society. When you're forced to wear a niqab, the whole deal, it's not good. But protesters, activists taking care of biz. As always, we would love to hear from you, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos, I doubt it, at dollamore.com. We would love to have you on board supporting the show, helping us move the conversation forward, helping us produce the content that we do. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. You can buy some stuff on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. You can get all your fresh Dollamore merch at dollamore.info. And uh, we'll see you next time, which will likely be, Brittany, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to do a live stream for everybody on Saturday. We're going to see if the AC works on Saturday. We're we're going to test the the AC in the studio on Saturday. We think it does. Sunday, we know it doesn't work. We know that, but we haven't tried Saturday yet. Because we are in an office building. Correct. And they just cut the fucking air off. Because apparently no one works on the weekend. What a bunch of lazy turds. (laughs) Lazy turds. So... We, we will announce on Twitter. We will announce on the Facebook page. We'll announce in the Dollamore Listener Group. We fucking love you guys. Thank you for your support. And we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. That's a fear factor challenge for me. <laughs> um, 100%. <laughs>